This is Beyond Music with John Bierman and Sylvia Nakash. On today's episode, we'll be discussing shamanism, the first form of sound healing. The shaman is like an internet. Later in the show, we will be joined by Dr. Susana Bustos, who holds MA degrees in clinical psychology and music therapy. Originally from Chile, she is certified in Gestalt, holotropic breathwork, and the expressive arts. Her doctoral research focused on the study of shamanic songs in the context of ayahuasca ceremonies in Peru. But first, John and Sylvia discuss what is shamanism, where it came from, and where it is today. You look at the history of sound healing, and it's all across the world in different cultures for thousands of years, right? Sound as a healer, which is what I, what I write usually, sound is the healer, depending who is the healer. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it started with the shamans. And then shamans, they say they start 75,000 years ago or before, or that has to be with the discovering of some instruments that they make, some flutes or some instruments they make with nature uh, elements, and then they apply it as part of a request. The shamans originally were hunters. Hunters. Yeah, the shamans come from Siberia. Sham means he or she who knows, and how to go beyond fear and beyond pain. So basically, they are in the middle of nowhere, and they need to they need to help the community or mm-hmm. someone that is very ill, and they listen. They go out into the night as they see for the game, or they are going out into the dark and the shadow of someone, and they see what is needed. And then they start praying and requesting for information to another dimensions. The shaman is the is who or she or he that can live in two dimensions at the same time, the light and the dark, the seen and the unseen. Mm-hmm. I was going to say kind of a medium, not, maybe not. That's not no, the right it's not word, a medium. Somewhere in between. <laughs> Shamans are light to say. So they're, they're either, they're not in between. Well, they are, they are, they are lineage. They come from families and grandfathers and grand, grand, grands. They come with that DNA. They come with that makeup. You know, they just come into the world with a mission and then they get the visions through all kinds of ceremonies so they became that over time they yes, became sir. they became that over many many years yes of yes, uh, of, yes. of what of how did they get to that point like how do you they get have to, to become a shaman in the ancient times <laughs> they have to go through incredible ceremonies and rituals of the deprivation of light dark retreats um, solo in the mountains, uh, no food, fasting, mm. you name it. And then they, they know, they believe and they, they, because the most important aspect of the shaman besides the lineage is what is, I think is what we need right now is they develop a very powerful, energetic value on what to believe. The belief system of the shaman is the power of the shaman. They focus their beliefs. That's what you're saying. They, they focus the all their energies into one belief. Is is the consciousness of the shaman? The belief system is the power of the shaman. The belief system is the healing power of the shaman. 
They believe that this particular plant is going to give them the information that they need to heal that person. Okay, and the shaman maybe then goes to a supermarket and has a, 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 an iPhone. Okay, but at the same time, it's like a theater. This, this shaman has all this believing system that goes beyond what they see. So is it kind of shaman a general term for, for that? Is it uh, universal to all different cultures around the world? What happened really, the connection between Buddha and the psychologists in, in New York and the shaman in Brazil or whatever in Thailand, is there is a particular elegant quality of connection with the unseen and then the operative system is about chasing metaphors of how to answer creative inquiry how to answer painful inquiry how to how to connect to request information from other dimensions the shaman is a listener the shaman is like like an internet the shaman has multiplied his connections with all realities possible for that shaman. So the shaman plugs into realities that he knows that will come to him in a particular state and setting, like a therapist. And then in that setting, there's, there's a person or a group of people and delivers this particular drum beat. And hopefully, in my case, when they start singing, is when my, my consciousness start dancing and expanding. And then I can reach other dimensions, but will be the dif different dimensions sometimes. So I'm, I'm reconnecting, I'm start plugging with dimensions that are unseen and that I've never been before, or dimensions that I've seen before. And, and mm -hmm. things that I needed to remember, re-membering, which really heals. So that's, for me, is the healing. The voice going beyond the person that is singing or chanting. So the voice going, you know, the voice being the journey to the spiritual world. And I'm doing it pretty, pretty nicely. <laughs> yeah, so the voice gets away from the ego system and start listening to others, to other spirit voices or particular sounds that are very ancient. Then we call it sacred sound. So you are singing a language that is not your language. So you are more curious. You are more open, like a child learning a language. That's what I'm doing now. I'm learning a new language, a new vocal culture, a new language. And it takes me hours to practice and i used to be an opera singer so sound healing can be a way to learn the language of sound sound healing can be a way to understand to, to to open our curiosity to see who was using sound healing in the beginning how we can use sound healing now dr susanna bustos is here with us today to help us take a deeper dive into how shamans use music to connect, heal, guide, and protect. We are here today with Dr. Susana Bustos. Welcome. Hi, John. Thank you, Silvia. So grateful to be here. It's uh, 
fun to talk about this topic. So interesting. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I am a little curious how you got into it. Ah, that's a good question. I got into it many years ago when uh, I was doing the training in hot tropic breathwork with Stan Groff in Argentina, actually. And uh, there were some of my colleagues that were going to Peru at that time. We're talking about mid-90s. And they were bringing medicine to, to work in kind of a non-traditional way to different countries in Latin America. So I decided to participate in one of those non-traditional uh, ceremonies at that time. And that triggered in me a, a tremendous spiritual emergency. Not right away. It was like a very long 12-hour journey. And then I started having um, like an awakening of some sort with a lot of physical discharge uh, that I couldn't control. So, and, you know, openings of consciousness. And it was very strong. I didn't know what to do. Thank goodness I had the growth training behind me. When you say physical discharge... It, it was with a lot of spine movements mm. uh, and sweat and, you know, like all this trembling happening. Kundalini. Uh, Kundalini, I didn't know. <laughs> and thank goodness I had that frame, you know, to understand what was happening. But it was very strong and it had a blockage at the heart level. So we worked with the gruff people for a long time. And after four months of like getting better, I, ne I knew when it was coming. I was understanding uh, many things, but uh, they, they told me, you know, there's this blockage at the heart level. We've worked with you in all the ways we, we know, and it's not unblocking. And at that point, I said, okay, I need to go and see if something went wrong, you know, to the jungle. I knew it. So hmm. I at that time, I was working at the Ministry of Education, drug abuse prevention programs, and I knew of Takiwasi. So I got right away, like all the information went to Takiwasi, and there was a, a little man, you know, in front of the door at Takiwasi and said, oh, where are you coming from? And I told him, and I told him, and he said, well, why are you here? And I told him the story and he said, I can help you. And he was the curandero who was at that time working for Takiwasi. No, I need you to know? define Takiwasi real quick. Takiwasi, Center for Drug Abuse Rehabilitation uh, and Research of Traditional Medicines. Uh, has been around for over 25 years. Susana, can, can you tell us the beautiful uh, translation for the word Takiwasi, please? Yes, it's uh, the house that sings. Mm. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in Quechua. So long story short, what ended up happening was I went through a whole treatment with this curandero, and then it ended up with an ayahuasca, traditional ayahuasca ceremony, where I am called forward with, with, without them knowing because the curandero was not participating in that ayahuasca ceremony that night, but other people from Takiwasi. And I, I'm called forward and I'm like, why well, am I calling for, called forward? And I'm sung the Ikaro of the A, ah, the heart, the open heart Ikaro. And I, in, in the moment that they start singing the open heart Ikaro right onto me, my heart exploded open. What's an Ikaro? So the Ikaro is the, is the song that invokes a certain sentience during a ceremonial act or a ritual. Mm. 
that moves energy. And it's not that it's coming from the curandero only. It's like the it's kind of like the, the energy of the sentience that's being called passes through the curandero. That's why I wanted also like to mention the, the thing of okay. intimacy. I'm going to keep asking these these really basic questions, but uh, mm -hmm. curandero is the shaman. Curandero is the healer. We healer? don't call we don't call shaman curanderos shamans. But is it this similar? Is it's it a similar? healer. Heal it's, just a healer, not a. It's a healer. Not a shaman. It's different. Okay. Well, in this in this case, in this context, is understood as somebody who works with uh, spirits. So the the shaman is the the one that has the capacity to work in realms that are unseen and bring mm -hmm. from those unseen realms help to this realm, right? So the curandero is the shaman. Okay. See what I mean? Sh yeah. Yeah, but we don't call them. Right. Like that. And there are different types of curandero. The ones that I'm talking about that work with uh, master plants down there are normally shamans. I wanted to just circle back to complete what you were saying. Um, I kind of interrupted you right when you were saying that the Ikoro was opening you mm -hmm. up. Um, uh -huh. So that so was that, a curandero? Yeah, that was a ayahuasquera. Basically, uh, ayahuasquera. it was a okay. woman. Uh -huh. And so, okay, tell, tell me a little more about that. Yeah. Well, basically, like, it, it I, I'm not going to go into the experience itself, but it really, like, opened up, like, a full other dimension that I couldn't access any in any other way of my own healing process. And not only my healing process, but also my life direction at that time. So, of course, the whole process lasted four years for me, you know, from, like, that Kundalini opening and with all the blockages that were there, like just like had a whole arc, you know, uh, that lasted four years, but it was incredible, incredibly powerful the way that it was moved forward by this Ikaro. So when I thought of like, what do I, what do I research? What do I want to research when I did my doctorate? I didn't have any doubt. There is something here that is like as a music therapist as well, you know, and a therapist, you know, it's like just opening like possibilities that are completely outside of what I thought was possible before. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was possible, but when you live it through, it's very different. Right. I, I think that is, yeah, to have actually gone through it yourself and to be so, have been so impacted that way, it just makes it that much more meaningful to you and, and to how you're going about your life and how you're teaching people and spreading your knowledge and learning. And uh, it's, it's all very cool. Sylvia, you were, you were on something about shamans and I, <laughs> I wanted to finish what you were talking about, uh, Dr. Bustos. Yeah, yeah. I was just, I was just thinking that, you know, in different places in the world, the shamans are calling diff different ways. Like in South America, it's more curanderos. In India, they are more like um, the vibration is different. Uh, it's all, also revelatory art. It's also open to all the possibilities. It's also about resonance and intimacy, which we are going to talk more about it. But there is something about in common with all the different layers and places where shamans are emerging, which is the shaman makes our realities permeable. So there is a permeability in what we call reality. And we can, you know, what I, my favorite word 
which is liminal. So there is a space where the shaman is listening and is feeling and is rendering his, his technology, his art, uh, which they're different in different countries and different places, but there's something about being very gentle, very permeable, very being in, in that resonant vibration that some of the instruments are creating now, physical instruments. And then people fall in love with those instruments because the resonance, the harmonic resonance start filling the room. And then, and in, in the shamanic way of listening, there is that sense of bringing harmony to that vibrational resonance of being able to listen to everything at the same time. And every reality, I, I like the idea of Peter Brooks, that the artists are, they have the same quality of, the, in theater, in music, there's always a place where one foot is in the visible world and the other foot is in the invisible world. So yeah. the great director, Peter Brooks, always talks about that, the empty space. And we have to walk very carefully, you know, in between those two spaces with left and right and right and left foot. So there's, yeah, uh, there's something about shamanism that is that quality of resonance and revelation that is permeable to artists, uh, the artist mindset and the creator's mindset and, you know, great therapist mindset, great literature, poets. So there's something that I would like to ask Susanna about that, you know, that intimacy with resonance and that vibratory energy of revelation being in the space of absolute curiosity. So tell us a little bit more about that. Sure. I was thinking when you were talking, I like intimacy. Um, there is another word that comes first, that's the communion. When, you know, we've talked about this in other parts, but, you know, just like to refresh the memory maybe of the audience, you know, around how Icaros can be learned from the teacher um, they can be also installed inside energetically. That was like, there are like different branches of curanderismo also in Peru that, that do different things, right? But the most treasured way of getting Icaros that you can sing is through receiving them. You receive them. And you can receive them through being in a ceremony, but normally you receive them and you own them when they are granted to you in plant diet retreats where you are basically in isolation without stimuli around you, eating the most basic of the basic things, uh, no salt or sugar or anything, and you're drinking your plant three times per day and you're communing with your plant. So you're ingesting it. What is it's told traditionally, it's like when you are really doing a good plant diet, then at some point, and if you're ready too, if you're ready, not everybody receives Icaros, right? At some point, you're going to get a song that is the seal of a diet well done. That's a seal of enough intimacy with the plant to say, I'm with you now. You're my greenhouse. 
right? And this is my sound. And it's not just my sound. That's our sound of your greenhouse and me in you. So call me in, you know, with this melody. We have exactly the same intimacy in Indian classical music with Saraswati. In fact, he, she gave me her name. And I, uh, when I start, I know that she's here. And then I receive the information from all the, the, you know, she, Saraswati means she who flows and endows the power of beauty and wisdom to everything that sounds. So there she is, you know, and I, when you were talking about that intimacy, I never thought about that. I will not start a practice if, if I don't see her and, and, you know, and there's all these manifestations and there is something very in, beautiful as I, I did dietas as well. Tell us a little bit about the imagery. You know, there, there's so many ayahuasqueros and, and, and curanderos that have this creative expression and uh, almost like a necessity to paint. There's so many paintings <laughs> that reflect the mindset and the possibilities. There's always this connection between visualization, mira sound, and, and the experience of uh, allowing for permeable realities. That's kind of super interesting. And I think I have my questions about the connections. I want to I wanna unpack that. When we work with visionary plants, especially as Westerners, the emphasis is on the visions. We emphasize the visual aspect. When I started studying, particularly vegetalismo, many years ago, I came across this uh, Misrach, I think it's the... the uh, last name of this researcher who was claiming that in reality the the visual the perceptual visual was not the main sensorial perceptual channel for people in the amazon you go to the jungle you don't you don't see horizons unless you climb up to the canopy you know and like from above you know, you're a monkey like kind of person right but you're you're like completely like covered you know uh, by everything so in order to find your way you know the right route you need to pay attention and listen right so it's through sound that you get oriented in the jungle. And there are many sounds in the jungle. I mean, it's just like a full symphony of things happening, happening simultaneously, but you get a sense of like space, where are, where are things coming from? You know how things are resonating with one another. You can anticipate what you're gonna find, what is behind you through the sound and just like, the deep listening that you were talking about. So in visionary plant medicines, for example, the role for Amazonians that, of that area, I, I don't want to generalize, right, is through the use of sound in silence. So when you're talking about the visionary paintings, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, there is a lot of painting happening also in Peru right now, also in the mestizaje. Um, you don't see that much in the indigenous. What I was heading was to the uh, vastness, intimacy of creative expression. 
Absolutely. So there is, of course, the sound is in the beginning, is the sound, right? And, uh, you know, we, with John, we talk a lot about in, in our first episode that before sound is the space that creates this, the possibility of vibration and two things moving together to create resonance and vibration. But then there's a, this aspect of the creative expression is, is so vast, so abundant, that sometimes you, I, I'm sure that you have the same experience. We, as a musician, I, I need to write poetry or do Japanese calligraphy to start pacifying my musician's mindset. You know, I sometimes need to do this one stroke painting from the Japanese tradition just to feel like, okay, concentrate. Because creative expression, Sangeet, as we call it in Indian arts, is, is an aesthetic kind of instinct that happens when you are in the path of revelation through sound. It's, it's like saying you're just listening, but at the same time, we're not thinking about just the physical painting, but the necessity to bring the creative expression through other forms, uh, rendering that liminal space, that creative space, that visionary cosmic reality. I totally hear what you're saying. And what comes to my mind when you're talking about that is the, the concept of synesthesia. Yes. That's right. why I wanted to talk you to talk about it. I was trying <laughs> to get you into synesthesia. Uh, John, do you know what that that is? I do not. Me neither. No. In this case, <laughs> <laughs> because I know it from the scientific point of view. Because I, you know, we talk a lot about that scientifically. But uh, Susanna is going to give us another fresh uh, experience definition. I like the way the word sounds. <laughs> <laughs> So it's very simple. It's basically the translation of one perceptual modality into another, right? So, for example, I can be singing something right now, and you're not only listening to it, but you have like a color appearing, mm -hmm. you know, of so it's just stimulating the visual when it's a sonic stimuli. It could feel tactile. So you feel kind of touched. I remember one, one time in, in Germany, I went in Berlin to this cathedral and there was an organ concert happening. And I go in, there was nobody. And I was taken by the organ and massaged absolutely, completely. You know, I ended up laying down because it was so overwhelming, you know. <laughs> but it complete tact and movement, you know, it was tactile. And, and it's, of course, moving all this, like, energy and, like, oxygen and particles and stuff like that. And Susanna's body <laughs> along with it, right, <laughs> in that way. So what happens also in, with visionary plants is that you get the phenomenon of synesthesia happening like when mm. you're in an altered state. It's like, as you were pointing out, Sylvia, it's kind of like it's the information is translated into like many perceptual creative ways. And then you get all this creative production afterwards as well, you know, which is fantastic. Now, that's from the perspective of the, of the experiencer. How do you tie this creative, holistic response from the body and healing? So 
I think there is a gestalt, there is a, there is a sense of how we bring together the kinesthetic, which is the movement that happens, the vibrational aspect, the perceptional aspect, the, um, the, the intellectual way that we gather information and, and find the revelatory aspects of something. And then comes the visual. And then comes the insight, you know, that you realize that something that you didn't know before, now you know, and you make it make you feel a little bit more familiar, more intimate, more healing. Healing has to be with familiarity, with putting together what is separated from me. So healing is to put together all these different parts of the brain, you know, the kinesthetic, the perceptional, the intellectual, the emotional, and that is the piece. When the emotional aspects of the brain start kicking in. So I think that music has that possibility of really affecting every compartment of this brain that is the boss of many of our uh, psychological possibilities. <laughs> So basically, what I was trying to say is that music, I, I, I am a psychotherapist too. I mean, I'm, I, by, by training full-time Freudian Lacan was my favorite. I was like, you know, absolutely Lacanist and Freudian, of course, uh, in a very serious training, as you know, in Argentina and France. But then why I realized that music and sound was a more intuitive form of insight that brings together all these different compartments of perception if, and here is the conditional, if we listen. And for us to listen, this comes the next inquiry, how we drive the attention to just listening. Attention is the big deal here awareness, attention. We bring this aspect with eh, the scientists disagree, agree, disagree, which is consciousness. So the, the, what I call the dance of awareness. Mm. So it's attention that brings the possibility to discern what I am seeing, what I am hearing. Am, am I hearing, is the plant sending me a, a, a chant? If I, if I get my chakapa and start playing my chakapa or my shaker, you know, from all these traditions that I've been for a few minutes, and I use exactly the same instrument for 20, 30 years, the instrument will bring the whole revelation. The instrument already knows. So that's why I don't understand what people buy instruments every day. <laughs> Because you just need one instrument that is connected. And it's all about multiplying our connections or how we listen. In attention. A, attention, but, you know, in, in the shamanic way too, Silvia, that would be re relation. Beautiful. You know, Talk more about that. It's right, right relation. You're like, you're establishing a relationship that is like so intimate Wow. That is bringing about the fruits of that communion, that the wow. fruit of that, the, of that knowing, you know, one another. And like, 
creating, I like to, to think of the song like as the fruit of that communion. So it's a third one that that union allows, right, in that way. Mi plantita cura cura cuerpecito what we can do through sound in healing, music in healing, music and therapy, I mean, music psychotherapies, as you know, how we can do for people to sing more and more in terms of quantity and get that familiarity with tone. Think about the greatest masters in the planet, the greatest players. I'm talking about players, not just composers, that they have a sound, they have a tone. So if we can give the, the people the, uh, through sound healing and music healing and music therapy the possibility of having the time, the intimacy, it, like in your books, uh, Susanna, you guys talk more and more, the longer the experience, the more familiarity with the experience, the more confidence with shifting tones, shifting frequencies of awareness yes. and sound. And sound. Exactly. And, and that's interesting, too, to think in terms of the, of the uh, Icaros in the Mestizo tradition, you know, are like pretty repetitive. You know, when you hear them, they have like one sentence, you know, one musical phrase and then or, or, or three motifs and those get repeated over and over and over again. But when you do the musical analysis of them, you see that they are full of variations. So for the for the listener you have a sense of coming home because of the repetitiveness of it, like melodically. So you get to know it, you know, as it's sung for 20 minutes, right, on you, right? And you know you're coming home all the time. You're returning, you're returning, and you are not aware in the experience of the of the uh, micro changes that are happening. Modulations of tone. That's exactly. a Yes, cool. it's the tone, it's the modulation, the min that's why I'm in love of Drupad music, because it, because the whole point is how you leave, how you land in the tone as deity. Wow. The tone so and how that tone rela here, relationship with the next tone. The most important thing in Indian classical music in the Icaro is how you listen to the movement from one tone to the microtone that is next to it, the Shruti. Mm -hmm. And that's the beauty of it. And in the Icaros, I fell in love with the Icaros because I, I hear that it's all happened. And I cannot say that word, John and Susanna, you know, I, I speak five languages, but this word is not going to happen. Spontaneity. You got Can it. Can you say it for me? That was it. You said it. Great. There is the spontaneity of being in nakedness of receiving information. And be and for receiving information, you need to be familiar. You need to believe. You need to trust. You need to have faith. I think it's interesting, you know, coming back home to that repetitive tone but yeah you don't even and i'm just new to acros but uh, but you don't know that it's slightly different but that's what keeps it present and flowing right it, it, it's it's a home but it's sort of slightly slight variations <laughs>
Mazan devi mazane netejama oyoni. Oyoni no And that's what opens up the possibilities, right? Because your mind is entrained into you know, like this repetitiveness. So you're kind of like, you just like, no, you anticipate, right? And these other things and your perception, especially if you're talking about Icarus that are sung in altered states of consciousness, which is not all the the actions of the vegetalista with a client are in altered states, you know, though the Icaro, if you've been in altered states, can take you to that state without ingesting anything. But, you know, my theory is that what allows for the healing to happen is all the variations that are in between while your mind is going to the same places. So you're like not necessarily distracted by anything, right? But they propose these variations propose alternatives that you have not been able to see or follow before. That's why you're trapped. So there is this kind of explosion, uh, I would say big bang that big happens bang. when personally in the say, okay, I can enter in my inner world. It's okay. Yeah. And this is just a song. Yeah. Just a little, what seems like a little song, but every time you hear because you're listening, then it's different. That's if you right. just hear it, it's the same. It, but the interesting thing, Sylvia, is that sometimes in the internal experience, it's not perceptual. I'm not listening to the microtones at some point yes. after the whole process. Of course. But something changes in my mood. You know, I just get a revelation of stuff. Sometimes it's just explosive at all the levels, as you're talking about as well. So the insight, like the full blown insight of something like comes to you or the information, you know, that's new that you had not seen it before. When you feel that edge, in Portuguese, we say the jeito, that edge of, of being part of, becoming, believing and belonging. I have been wanting to ask a question for a while. <laughs> Ever since you started talking about perception and senses. Um, talking about all the senses and listening. And we've, de we've defined all the senses that we know of. Is there a mystery sense we haven't defined yet? You're talking about perception, right? Um. I don't know. I was thinking about this because there's, you know, a lot of it's about listening and you're talking about paintings that's visual and it's going back and forth between these senses and these different ways, these different modalities, that long S word that you just used earlier. <laughs> um, and it's very important, but maybe there's a, another sense that is there that we access that we don't normally access, or maybe it's there behind the scenes or, Maybe, I don't know, I, mean, I guess you call it the sixth sense, but uh, I'm just thinking, because um, we're combining senses, we're combining um, visual, listening, we're combining all I things, I think perception. I can say something, I can, think I can say something, but I'm not, you know, it's, it's an inquiry, you're not asking a question, so it's open. The questions I have an answer maybe, but the inquiry is open, it's open to curiosity, to wondering. So I was thinking, Maybe it's about beyondness, 
maybe it's allowing for like children, you know, like I always go back to the children believing that there is another world out there that is not necessary, uh, you know, that you can touch. And then you have this sense of beyondness that it grows more when you get intimacy with particular music. It's the goosebumps. It's the possibility. Yeah, I was actually thinking goosebumps. Yeah, 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 yeah. Something like that. That's it's, um, it's the goosebumps. It's four or five thousand years old, you know, yeah. you know, from Natya Shastra. So it's, 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 it's the feeling that something turns, turns you on with your body and your senses and your listening, everything. I think the that's the time. magic thing that I always talk about. That I have, have a better word to describe it, but it's sort of this magic when something just kind of just totally resonates. Beautiful. And it makes you get goosebumps or something. Right? Yes, yes, and yes. That, that's that mystery. Yes. Maybe that's what I'm talking about. So, but there are like different levels. Yes. I, I'm, I'm hearing different levels. Like one sure. has to do with like what you're saying. It's like what I would say I would uh, use the word you're met. Like what? there is met. You're fully locked in with what mm. is coming at you. Okay. Right? There is like a this meeting that lock, locking, right? Fully like, engaged. Fully engaged. You're yeah. like sung by the music. Mm -hmm. You're like, yeah. you know, there is this experience sometimes also in medicine work, you know, mm -hmm. down there for the participants of like being locked in mm -hmm. uh, and it's like what is the song and what is me it like it's totally you become lost. the instrument you are you are it you're everything in that mm -hmm. moment that's mm -hmm. sonic right communion you said that before communion exactly you become and, the instrument and then there are like different other layers that you know you were talking about perception and like well is there something that's beyond and also bringing examples from from the jungle areas and this medicine traditions and stuff, you can see how, for example, somebody can be singing and then in a ceremony, I'm talking with, you know, with plants, you know, visionary plants, somebody might be singing and then you start hearing a symphony of people singing, a choir of people, people singing. Is that really happening out there perceptually? It, is it happening? You look around and say, you know, there is one person. Maybe sometimes you see the whole choir as well, you know, like visually. But, but like sometimes it's just like, you know, with one sense, you're like listening to one thing and there is something else that opens up in that same perceptual modality and, and it changes completely what you're listening. And it's impossible. Like in this reality, it's impossible. And that's a perception. That's, that's perception. A, that's a perception. So well, that's the extension of the perceptual quality beautiful. into maybe subtle levels yes, yes, that yes, we yes. are not used to in, exactly. in ordinary reality. Um, my whole life uh, as an educator, as a musician, and whatever I do as a human walking around the city uh, is about enhancing the sensibility of the subtle in, through sound. If you tell me, what are you doing? Oh, I am this, I am this, I did, I did. But you know what? It's all about enhancing the sensibility of the subtle in sound. Because I realize that that is the, 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 this piece. And guess what? In a way, it's one of the definitions of the sacred. So all these pieces are a part of what we call how we educate our 
brain, our mind, our consciousness, our sense of self to allow for beyondness, allow for going, being bigger than what I need. Kind of like beyond music. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you make me laugh, which is what I need these days. John, this is, I think that's what people need. I mean, I need to be laughing more, you know? Yeah, we all do. And that opens up possibilities of contact, of encounter. Again, we're talking about sound and how shamanism and healing and sound healing or, you know, sound in healing as you were talking in the last podcast goes. What are the points of encounter? And maybe like... It would be lovely to just like have love being one of the points of encounter. Is there, there is love because I, I was, I, I had got some rasa, John, some goosebumps. What Susanna was talking now, I got the goosebumps. The, 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 the my brain was in the right place uh, because when I sing for a longer time, not the first twenty minutes, because I'm warming up, right? The voice is physical, it's breath and muscle. And when I get into the sound, and I do this eight hours a day, sometimes four hours a day, but every day. So there's a moment that there is a shifting, and I my voice shift. So sound can give you the, the sound shifting aspect. The sound shifting after is the same like the shape shifting after. My, the, the tone changes and becomes tone magic. I'm not there anymore, thanks God. I'm not there anymore. Whatever I, I render is divinity. So my intimacy at that point is I'm not there, Sylvia Nakash, and I am with the deity or whoever possessed my tone. Okay? So I am not there. And then when we finish this session, we feel like, ah, oh, we love each other much more than when we started. Everybody, and even through Zoom, we get this digital intimacy which is very interesting because I'm not listening when my students are singing mostly of the time, but they feel very free because no one is listening. <laughs> so they get to that point of beyondness and highest level of appreciation, let's call it, perceive the divinity within the body and the sound. So we've been talking a lot, like Sylvia and I, and it's just yeah. like it bringing about like so, so many yummy things. And I, I <laughs> you know, like that we could like go in different directions, you know, yeah. with this. Um, but I was wondering, you know, you wanted us to tackle shamanism and, and singing and, and, you know, there's also the drumming in shamanism, the percussion, and also how that feeds into sound and healing. Um, what, what are your thoughts about what we've, you know, like if, if you would like go into the synthesis of what we've been talking about, what, what is coming up for you? You know, I'm, I am interested in how music is utilized uh, to achieve the main goals of, uh, I don't know if they're goals, but I have these really basic inquiries, right? Um, if somebody's listening to this and they don't really know much about shamans um, or, or this entire thing that we're talking about, like, why would somebody need to go see a shaman? And so from my understanding, it's mainly healing is the number one, right? Healing is the biggest thing. And then sort of guiding and exploring and connection and protection are some of the other ones. And what the shaman does uh, is they sort of 
I'm not going to, I'm, I'm not going to try to like, you guys are way better at this than I am, but harnessing this spirit world out there through all the different plants and trees and mountains and everything, animals, um, whatever needs to be, as you said, I would think it's granted, right? It's these ecoros are granted to them or whatever it is that, however they are putting forth the music that they're putting forth, it's, it's sort of granted by these, the spirits and then it's expressed and there has to be a recipient. Otherwise there's, you have to have all three, right? You have to have spirit world, you have to have shaman and you have to have a recipient to make it, this is why we're here, right? <laughs> so, and then the, the recipient is there for some reason, right? Usually it's healing, but it's not always healing. Sometimes it's expansion or, or some other reason, you know, maybe they would, whatever other reason. Um, and at that point, either they take in Peru in particular, they seem to, you know, there's ayahuasca ceremonies where you can take it or not. You can, the shaman might take it or not. It just depends on the situation, whatever calls for. And at that point, yeah, I guess it's just the music just comes and then the sounds come and then the, the recipient kind of is affected in whatever way they're affected. Right. And they get whatever they get out of it. And then it's completed. And then, you know, it's just to each person's own, uh, however they deal with it. Right. However much they need or however little or however much they need, they, they have access to that. If they're in a place that is open and ready for that experience, right. Especially Westerners who aren't from there. Um, which seems to be more popular these days. Not just all Westerns. you got all people all over the world that want to do this, right? But um, they go to Peru. But Everybody you know, wants to be a shaman. Everybody wants to be a shaman. There, and there's shamanism all over the, the world. It's not just in Peru. It's everywhere. They're not everywhere. But a lot of places have history, uh, long, long histories of that. So I, I just think it's really interesting to have you here today to be able to dive into your extensive knowledge of, of this in particular and, and to share your own personal experience. That was really cool and how it can impact you, how it can change your life. And uh, the more I read about it too, um, it seems like it happens quite a bit to people. So maybe, maybe you could uh, throw it back to you a little bit about that. How much are you involved with the ceremonies and do you see, is there data? Do you take data? Is it like scientific as far as how many people like are, are changed? Do you have that in one way or another? There is a lot of research happening right now because there is, you know, such a renaissance of the interest in how plants, but also chemicals can like affect healing in that way. Of course, ritual and traditional ways are so complex because they don't depend on like, you know, they don't have like settings and uh, variables that are like controlled in that way. Right. You know, there are like so many things happening simultaneously that it's just like much less research there because it's murky, you know, to study with our means. There's no regulation. There's no regulation, is there? 
like government regulation of shamanism, is there? No. <laughs> no. Right. Right. So. <laughs> yeah, but also at the research level, you know, from the, an academic perspective, like how do you isolate variables, you know, to just like get to know what is affecting what? So you 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 know, mm -hmm. much of what you can do is just describe, you know, from an anthropological perspective, or to go into subjective experience and just like have reports of people like telling you what happened to them, right? Like, but. How is an Ikaro affecting, I don't know, electromagnetic waves? You can like go to a ceremony and like have people with electrodes, you know, whatever there, see what happens when an Ikaro is sung. But at the same time, you have like all the, the insects singing, you know, along. The river is making another sound in the background. You know, there are people like shouting or whatever other things happening in the ceremony, people coming out. And it's so much that's happening that you cannot say, oh, the Ikaro is doing doing this, you know, with, right. you know, in the electromagnetic waves of the person, you know, in that context, it's too complex yet. Mm -hmm. So, yes, mm -hmm. there are data, you know, there, there are these wonderful dissertations, you know, and there is also, there are people like doing research as much as, much as possible within these traditions. Right. And, um, you know, maybe like bringing up my, my doctoral dissertation was like with subjective experiences. So I was researching intense healing experiences attributed by the participants to an Ikaro during ayahuasca ceremonies. So this is totally subjective because what is an intense healing experience for you might be very different than for me. And I don't have a definition for that. I just say to the person, like I'm researching for intense healing experiences. <laughs> you count the goosebumps? Huh? They, yeah, how many goosebumps? Goo you count how many goosebumps do you <laughs> exactly. have? Exactly. <laughs> but you know, there is a sense, there is a sense in the in the participants, especially if it, if it's somebody who has experience, right? And I I you know I recruited people who had at least twelve ceremonies already, so they they had some experience, you know, right. to navigate these things to say oh, I can attribute this, or at least in my subjective experience, to this ego. It really took me, right? And, mm -hmm. and one, yeah. one of the things that I see throughout my participants is that experience that you were talking about before, Sylvia. That's the experience of being locked in. So at some point, the matching between what's happening outside and inside just is indistinguishable. And you're all like being sung into and you're locked in. Mm -hmm. And that is the core experience of the healing for people. Beautiful. After that, after that, you know, you're at the, at the core of, at the, at the height of it. And after that, things start, start changing because that you're completely involved and then you start having some separation and some insights. So cognitive things start, start happening. Uh, emotional things start happening. You start becoming out of the locked in, coming out of the locked in into yourself again. And in that process of becoming yourself again, after that, you get like all this newness of perspective of what you your problem was originally. 
That's mm-hmm. the whole arc of the healing process. Beautiful, beautiful. Very inspiring. And it inspired me to say that at some point in um, this, uh, when we receive information through sound and the sound opens these this new venues in our body and our emotions and our intellect, there's something that happens after. I, sh- I call it a back to the forest. <laughs> We, it's something that happens after the experience is, is that that sense of uh, that we were visiting, uh, we were residing for a few minutes or maybe hours into the, 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 the infinite. You release the weight of the ego system into something that is more subtle, more, more abiding in the infinite, we say. And I like to bring this idea of abiding in the infinite for a few seconds you know you just ah the physicality the fin the 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 the, i would say the finity something that ends like the physical body the ending quality the the of the body it doesn't bother anymore because we enter in the infinite quality of sound the possibilities of tone to to take us in a journey beyond. So that's what I think is sound healing. <laughs> uh, that's why I thought that it's it's more, as, as Susanna said, there's more intimacy, there's more participation, there's more relationship, there's more cosmic clicking, uh, triggering of consciousness. There's some intellectual aspects to it. Why not, you know? some investigation here going on, some logical aspects, some discerning, what I love to call the art of discerning from here to there. So all this needs to be revealed more than um, things that happen. Whatever we instrument we use, there is a place of silence where healing happens. Maybe love. Yeah, I mean, there's the the listening of it actively, and then there's the sort of reverberation of it in afterwards, and the silence is when you when it's sort of being really maybe it's just sort of processing afterwards. I don't know. I always find silence to be time when your body and your mind are catching up. Nice. What a beautiful definition of silence. Can you say that again? (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) I have to go back and... Replay. Rewind. Rewind it. (laughs) But that that is kind of... I love that definition of silence. Considering that there is never silence, but uh, officially, but, you know, uh, the place I live that is in the middle of the cities, but I'm on the edge in a very liminal peninsula, I don't hear a thing except, you know, in the morning, but then everything is absolute silence. So my body is really loud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's- well, we have, uh, where I live, we're in Indiana, there's cicadas. Oh, have uh, you ever heard of cicadas, of but they're these really giant, um, bugs that come out and they make this. I heard them in Japan. They just do it forever. They do it for about four or five months, and this is the year that they come out every 17, 17 years, years from underground, yeah. and they're mating this time, and uh, there's shells all over the place. But my wife and I go out, and my whole family, we have this little outdoor patio, and we go out and screened in, and we just sit out there and oh, listen. Oh, God. 
we used to do this with yeah we used to do this as, as my training for, uh, of deep listening with Pauline Oliveros one of the things that you know like coming back I like to come back to return <laughs> uh that I uh, take also from what I hear you saying, Sylvia, on sounding healing is the invitation to, to go beyond into the subtle, like the shamans do, to reach into uh, the possibilities, to go into the, the curiosity of the otherness, to bring something back for the one who's there and require needs something that it's new that opens up possibilities so the act you know in the way that you're conceptualizing feels to me as a shamanic act you're like you're inviting that and i don't want to say that those are like two you know the definition of a shaman you know or a shamanic act is the same as what you're saying but there are there is a metaphor there that it's like beautiful to anybody who wants to engage in real sounding healing so i appreciate that what is the metaphor is that it's it's the shamanic act the the metaphor of the shaman like going and bringing like the the subtle the richness the expansion you know and bringing it back here for for the one that needs it and allowing for the most natural way of awareness, the most natural way of devotion and bhakti, which is co-creation. Everything starts with breath and co-creation. If not, we will not be here. That's so true. So that's this, this multiplying <laughs> the connections, create the possibility, the non-fear, the fearless of co-creation. Yes. And yeah. go, and then my intention with my work, I work in different places with different organizations and different countries, especially in Asia, is to bring that, that naturally this, this possibility of reconnecting with co-creation, you know, that we have that seed, that, that seed that, that can multi-explode in possibilities, as you say. If, and there is always a natural condition for things, uh, not conditioning, but, but circumstances, mm -hmm. if we can find that familiarity, that intimacy, that instrument that, that knows the story of my life, that instrument that reminds me. Remember our defini growth definition of healing, Stan definition of healing was... Uh, the returning to wholeness, right? right? That's the root of it, the, of that word, right? Yes. The Greek root yes. of it. What is wholeness? Is that um, yes. uh, goosebumps? I mean, what, what, is, what is wholeness? I would say that wholeness is a journey. A journey, yes, exactly. Yeah, that that I, I was, my, my mind was thinking in a journey, becoming. Yeah. Becoming, yeah, mm -hmm. and then complexity and, you know, like expansion and death and reinvention yeah uh, i just want to thank you so much for for coming and joining us today it was it was a blast thank you guys for for inviting me to jump in with you for today's uh conversation i just i love the co-creation you know the co-participatory thing and it feels like that today so i thank you so much everybody i adore you and uh to be continued 
Thanks for joining us for episode two of the Beyond Music podcast. Special thanks to Dr. Susana Bustos for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's show, please give us a review and share on social media. See you next time. The Beyond Music Podcast is produced by Carmel Sound Lab. For more information, please visit www.carmelsoundlab.com.